Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Chuck Bryant. What'd you just say? I think that came through, did it, Jerry? Well, we'll find out eventually. Yeah. But wait a minute. Let's. Uh, we got a little plugage to do here at the beginning, at the onset, as you know. Okay. Uh, we are making our radio debut. I know. On tomorrow. I know. And it is the awesome, awesome WFMU mm-hmm. out of uh, Jersey City, and it covers the New York metro area. And it is the oldest freeform radio station in the country. And very highly respected in uh, one of my favorite stations, because I stream it online, which anyone can do. Yes, so you're going to be able to stream our show online. Or just listen to it if you live in New York. Right. So um, WFMU is taking a couple of old podcasts and putting them together into an hour-long show that they're going to air. Yeah. Pretty cool stuff. Very cool. And We're, uh, we're bona fide. We are bona fide. And you can hear that on, uh, if you live in New York, you know FMU. But in case you don't, it's uh, 91.1 FM. And in Hudson Valley, 90.1. So you can listen to us all over uh, the place up there. Those are total public radio um, megahertz. (laughs) Yes. And we are uh, on Friday, I guess we need to say when, every Friday from 7 to 8 p.m. on WFMU. You can hear us or you can stream that online. And your support is appreciated. Yeah. As always. Nice. Let FMU know you like us if you do. And if you don't, just keep it to yourself. Nice, Chuck. Thanks. How's it going, Chuck? It's going harried and good. Is it you're about to go to L.A., Max FunCon. Technically Lake Arrowhead. L.A. first for a couple of days, though, then Max FunCon. That's right, yeah. I'm excited for you. Yeah. You're going to hang out with um, Jesse Thorne. Jesse Thorne. The esteemed head of the podcasting division of the world. Head of MaximumFun.com. Org and the voice of the Sound of Young America and Jordan Jesse Go, among others. The dude is a young mogul. Right, I think my title that I just gave him, like the title I just gave him, he'd prefer. Which is what? Uh, head of the podcasting division of the world. Oh, I didn't even hear that. Sorry. See, and that's how out of it. <clears throat> his buddy and ours, Hodgman's going to be there. Actually, Hodgman. the part of Josh Clark at this weekend will be played by John Hodgman. Yeah. Huh? Uh-huh. That's going to be pretty cool. Totally. You guys are doing Triv together? Yeah, I'm a little nervous. Oh, Chuck. I know, I You're know. You're going to knock it out of the... Come on. Hey, guess who's there now? Uh, I do know. You want me to I answer? I told you, yeah. Andy Richter. Yes, one yeah. of my all-time heroes. Yeah, that's going to be pretty cool. And tell him I said... with. Uh, Wait, I can ask for some sidekick uh, advice. <laughs> Dude. I'm just kidding. All right. Well, we'll probably edit out that with... Uh, anyway, so... Having lunch tomorrow with our buddy Luke Ryan. Tell him I said hi. On the Paramount Pictures lot. Do you know who's losing her mind right now? Who? Katie M. Katie M. Who's Beautiful. That? You already forgot. Good enough. Let's get started, <laughs> shall we, Chuck? Great. Okay, Chuck. Uh, I have a little bit of a story for you. Okay. I don't remember when I was looking for it, but at some point in time it occurred to me I had no idea where the origin of the phrase curiosity killed the cat came from, right? Yeah, it's written on my page. What do you have? Oh, I don't have the origin. I just thought, you know, well, I killed the cat, so it couldn't be good. You wrote that down? 
Well, I didn't write that down. <laughs> <laughs> you had a note to remember that, though? <laughs> I'm telling you, I went the wrong way to get here to work today. So uh, I'll, I'll handle this. Yes. Um, I, I went and onto the internet with a capital I, uh-huh. and I found that um, I found that it was attributed to a playwright named Ben Johnson, right? Um, and he wrote a uh, a play in 1598. You mean old Ben Johnson that lives out? Uh... Yeah, the the immortal Ben Johnson. Okay. The one who just won't die. Okay. Yeah, that guy. Um, it, his play, uh, Every Man in His Humor, with a U, so you know he's like British, uh, he is the quote, Helter Skelter, Hang Sorrow, Carol Kill a Cat, Up Tails All, and A Loose for the Hangman. Whatever that means, right? <laughs> but he's got Carol Kill a Cat, meaning like worry will kill a cat, which is weird because this is associated with later on, right. worry and curiosity are associated for a little while. Really? Yeah. Finally, we get to 1898. Okay. Right? Uh, exactly 400, 300 years later. Yep. And the first- Old Ben Johnson's still around. Old Ben Johnson, uh, he's, he's, uh, more secluded than ever. We finally get to, um, the Galveston Daily News, right? Mm-hmm. 400 years later, isn't that weird? 300 years later. Yeah. I don't know why I can't subtract 1598 from 1898 and come up with the right number. Yeah. Uh, anyway, in the Galveston Daily News, the first time it appears in print, the proverb, it is once said that curiosity killed a Thomas cat. They couldn't just say it like the right way, right. but a Thomas cat is a Tom cat, like Tom and Jerry. Right. But we've had it ever since then. 1898. Did you know that? No. Okay. I didn't know back then they called it the, the Thomas cat. That, um, well, that was a new thing you just learned. But the fact that I went and looked for that, with really no gratification whatsoever, there was nothing offered. No one was paying me to go look it up. Is an example of curiosity. True. It was also part of your job where you get paid to do. But I, I know what you mean. I don't think it worked into any of the stuff I wrote. Okay. So we're, we, I did. You, you've just let the cat out of the bag. That, um, yeah, it's pretty it's good. Huh? with cats. Uh, that I, I was asked to write How Curiosity Works, in part because we have a TV show coming up here in the Discovery family eventually called um, Curiosity. Yeah. It's going to be huge when it happens. Yeah, yeah. I think it's coming out this summer. Yeah, answering a lot of the just really cool questions of life and beyond. Right. And then um, there's a website that's already running, curiosity.com. Yeah, we write for that some, too. Yep. Um, it's very cool. It's mm-hmm. worth checking out. Um, but I was asked uh, when all this was going on to write how curiosity works, and I was like, this is not going to be that great. And I wrote it, I researched it, and wrote it, and I thought, this is really great. Yeah. Worth podcasting on. Absolutely. Agreed, sir. So, Chuck, um, have you ever landed an assignment like that? What, that you thought it wasn't going to be great, and then you ended up being proud of it? Yes. Not even proud of it. It's like, this is not going to be that interesting of an assignment, and it turned right. out to be good. Like, two lungs, one heart. Right. Right? Right. Wow, are, you really are not <laughs> showing up today, are you? I'm here. I'm right here. All right. Well, Chuck, let's talk about curiosity. Well, what you pointed out, which I thought was kind of neat, was that um, it killed the cat, theoretically, so the cat wouldn't have done well, evolutionarily speaking. Nice. So that's something that sort of flies in the face. Curiosity as a whole sort of flies in the face mm-hmm. of evolution, because... I bring back Tuck Tuck. He's making another appearance. Back in the day, Tuck Tuck gets a little curious about what's in... The cave, and yeah. then Tuck Tuck ends up with a slashed chest from a uh, saber tooth. Yeah, cave bear. Cave bear. Or the clan of the cave bear. Even. Yeah. And uh, so Tuck Tuck's not around, and he doesn't reproduce. So his 
his offspring uh, won't live on to be more curious. So still, humans are curious beyond that. Agreed. Take that, Darwin. Yeah, and um, that's kind of, uh, that's a, I guess that probably forms the basis of why we don't really understand curiosity, because we can't explain that, and we can't explain that because we don't understand it, and we don't understand it because we can't explain it, which is to me seems incredibly appropriate, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, think about it. So we need, as humans, right, mm-hmm. very uh, limited stuff. We need a certain amount of water. Um, we need a certain amount of food. Yeah. And we need shelter. And then as a species, we have to reproduce, right? Yeah, that's it. That's all we need. We don't need your modest mouse t-shirts, <laughs> your last chance garage hats. Yeah. Um, frankly, your um, facial hair is a tad superfluous, really. It's not necessary. It's not really doing anything the, uh, for your survival. No, not for my survival. But if you look around, Chuck, I mean, like, we've got some pretty great stuff going on that enhances our existence that we don't need. Right. So one of the, uh, well, a number of the things that we have that have enhanced our existence are the result of curiosity, right? Like um, penicillin, Alexander Fleming, sure. right? He said, what exactly is growing in this Petri dish here? And investigated it and found out that you could save millions and billions of lives with it, right? Yeah, I would say a, a many, if not most, of the, the big uh, advancements we've made have been because of an in- initial spark of curiosity, mm-hmm. at least. But I would even go back to counter, sir, okay. that even like survival does, in fact, depend on curiosity to a certain degree. Because maybe if Tuck Tuck doesn't go see what's on the other side of that mountain, he doesn't find the rich fields of uh, wildebeest to hunt when that, his family's starving. That is a very, very good you point, know? Chuck. And I think you revealed something um, that that forms the basis of curiosity. Um, if, for some reason, say, he was afraid of finding out what was over the mountain, he would never go. Yeah. So curiosity exists in antithesis of fear. Yeah. They're actually counterproductive to one another. Yeah, I thought that was a good point. Yeah, well... You it's not it. mine. Well, well, you got it from somewhere? No, there's a whole field of research called curiosity research. There's a guy named George Lowenstein, who I quote uh, pretty early on in the um, in the article, basically saying, like, it, whether you understand curiosity or not, right. it, just try to turn off the, the television set toward the end of a close football game. Yeah, once your you arm gets broken, do it, depending right? on where you are in the world. So what Lowenstein was pointing out was that there's probably a biologic basis to curiosity and that suggests that it's a drive right yeah and what i like about this and we'll you'll see consistently throughout this podcast is that curiosity isn't one thing because it's sort of esoteric but it's also a little like everything you mentioned in here mm-hmm. is it's a little bit of both i think okay starting with within us or without us is well, it something that exists inside us right or something outside acting upon us I that's that's the big question yeah and I think it also it depends on the situation too, as we'll see. But there there's two rival explanations as it stands now for curiosity, and one is that it's within us, and one is that it's without us. So like within us is drive theory, right? Yeah, like being hungry. It's exactly right. We have a hunger for um, basically superfluous information, yeah. stuff that we don't need to survive right now, mm-hmm. and so we go seek it out in the form of. Learning a new language, right, or um, crossword puzzles. But you link the inner drive to the similarity to regular hunger and eating and satisfying that hunger as well, right? It's this innate thing within us that we just have to satisfy. Okay, that's drive theory. 
Then there's another theory that says, no, it's a pretty much a response, like say an emotion, right? Right. Or pain to an external stimulus. Object-specific incongruity, is that what it's called? Uh, well, it's, it's saying that, that it's usually curiosity object. is object-specific, and it's called incongruity theory, right? Okay. So incongruity theory says that there is a certain order that we can expect to the universe, and when we notice something that is outside of that order, then we are forced to investigate it. We can't resist investigating it, but that's in reaction to something outside of us. Yeah, but I thought everyone was like this, but it's just not true. No, it's definitely not. And one example you used was, uh, uh, why is that truck parked across the street at 2 a.m., that mm-hmm. big delivery truck? Right. I would always be curious about that, but I guess some people would just see that and not think anything about it. Well, I think with, with the, uh, you're, you're, it's absolutely true, but there may be something that um, captures your curiosity or your attention that wouldn't somebody else or somebody might be curious about that picture of Nikola Tesla next to you that, that you I'm just not. don't okay. look at, yeah, it, sure. you know? But that could be because your curiosity is satiated about it. Right. So those are the two big rival theories, drive theory and incongruity theory, right? Yes. And uh, also to go a little further on incongruity theory, so say um, all of a sudden you notice that a, a pencil was just kind of moving slowly across a desk in front of you. <laughs> I would wonder about that for sure. At the very least, you would jump up and then look, but there's no way you're not looking. I'm looking around. Right? Immediately. Okay. So that's that's external. Yeah. That's a response to the universe. But the problem is is that both of these um theories uh do they they have a big hole in one. One fills the yeah. other's big hole. So you put them together and um you've got maybe a whole unified theory of curiosity. Do you? But well, uh, yeah, I'm We're close. I, it's probably close. Okay. But so um, the big hole for um, for uh, incongruity theory is, you know, crossword puzzles aren't a- an example of disorder in our yeah. universe, you right. know? Why would somebody go out and seek it? Drive theory, I can't think of their, their its big hole, but there's, uh, there's, a, there's a hole there, and I can't remember it, but it's, it, for my money, drive theory is the more correct of the two. Gary's laughing at <laughs> So there's a further way to subdivide curiosity um, beyond these theories. And this is slightly more, um, slightly less theoretical and more observational. Yeah, this is why I think we studied this in school. I remember studying this a little bit. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, take it away, Chuck. Not in depth, but because uh, it was high school. <laughs> uh, but state and trait, those are the, the classifications of the two types of curiosity. And um, they describe how we engage in curious behavior. So state curiosity would be the pencil moving on its own mm-hmm. and being curious about that. It's basically, by state, they mean, don't they mean like circumstantial almost? Situational. Yeah. Like there's something going on right then. Right. It's it's fleeting. And I, it could be anything from like that truck uh-huh. or that pencil to standing at a funeral and thinking about death. Yeah, but if you're just thinking about death in the afterlife, that's uh, trait curiosity, right? Unless you're at the funeral. Yes. Right? Yeah, it depends. Like, um, 
so with with trait curiosity, remember when we talked about happiness in that one audio book? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, remember state versus trait? Uh huh. So there's state happiness, like winning the lottery. Yeah. But you always went back to your baseline. Yes. This applies very much so to the same to, to curiosity. curiosity as well. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. So with with state curiosity, it's situational. With trait curiosity, it's like your whole life. Say, um, Ernest Becker, he he would have been trait curious about death. Yeah. Because he thought about it outside of funerals, he thought about it a lot. And because it was his life's work, you could make the you could make the case that he had a depth of trait curiosity for death. Which yes. is a further subcategorization of curiosity, right? Right. And the, you know, the trait obviously is just you're probably born curious. You have a lifelong interest just for the sake of learning things. But you also um, tag on here that it is also linked to all kinds of things like arson mm-hmm. and fearlessness in experimentation with drugs. Yeah. So there's a downside to that. Whereas the first uh, state curiosity is a little more related to reward, even though they both can lead to reward. Like um, excitement or a sense of saci- satiation. Yeah. Sa- satiety. Yeah. Satiety. <laughs> yeah. Satiousness. Uh-huh. Um, I'm curious what the, the correct <laughs> pronunciation is. See, I'm not. <laughs> um, with what you were saying, though, with uh, with with trait curiosity, though, Chuck, the fact you know that it does have a dark side to it. Good. Sure. Um, overall, it's generally viewed as a very very positive thing, highly encouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, except for this one period in the West when curiosity was reviled during the Middle Ages. Saint Augustine. Saint Augustine in his Confessions, and I think like three ninety two. Fun killer. Basically said, like, God has a special place in hell for the curious. Right. (laughs) Because um, I think that was pretty much the quote. Yeah, don't ask too many questions, basically. Well, yeah, don't don't question things. Mm -hmm. And um, it it detracts from the time that you have to think about God. Yeah. And your relationship with God and how great God is. Right. And um, that's so that's a very brief period of time where curiosity was downplayed or denounced or whatever. Yeah, otherwise it's encouraged for the most part. Very much so. You want your kids to be curious. You want your parents and grandparents to still be curious, you know, that whole cycle of life thing. Right. Because I know you linked, uh, you found one study of Alzheimer's patients Mm -hmm. who they display a very low level of curiosity. Yeah. And uh, that's sad. The older you can keep that brain vital, we talk about it a lot, but curiosity has a lot to do with that, I think. Yes. And um, fear also tends to increase in Alzheimer's um, patients. Oh, really? Yeah, they're, they're negatively correlated. As one goes up, the other goes down generally. Oh, right, because you said that fear, basically, curiosity gets you out of your comfort zone and fear keeps you in it. Right. That's exactly right. The constant battle. So um, we were talking about trait curiosity and the, that it can be subdivided even further. Um, those two categories are depth and breadth, right? Yes. So if you're interested in a lot of different things, mm-hmm. but you're constantly interested minutes. in something new, maybe, <laughs> right? Right. Um, that's breadth of curiosity. There's just a lot of different things that appeal to you. Yeah. But if you're interested in uh, f- the French language. Right. And you start studying it back to, you know, pre-Roman era. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. Or John, Johnny Fuller here with the piano. Does he know the piano pretty well? Yeah, dude. He didn't just like say, oh, learn how to play the piano. He He's learning like theory and mm-hmm. he's learning about how pianos are constructed and he's learning about the history of like plucking a string and uh, what that means to his life. 
That's and depth philosophy. of curiosity. Very much a depth. So e- either way, that's just great, though. You know, I mean, you're, uh, I, and I think it depends on the mood of society. I remember when, you know, which is better. Like when we were in school, um, colleges wanted kids that were like really well-rounded. They wanted people with like a breadth of curiosity. Yeah. Um, and nowadays they want their campus to, to, um, have a breadth of curiosity by having people with depth, deep curiosity, uh, a bunch Behind of different people. No, no, like oh, as students. students. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, man, they, I know state universities have to make you take the, your base courses and all, but I think all colleges should really just let you take what you want to take. Do you think they should be free? No, I don't know about that. <laughs> I think they should be free. I mean, that'd be great if they were free. I mean, Georgia, when we went there, might as well have been free. It was like 500 bucks a quarter. You know, it was really cheap. Yeah. But I would, I would have easily traded in the classes that I could still don't care about now. For a lot more of the ones that I really enjoyed and were interested in. I did. It worked like a charm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point, my friend. So, um, Chuck, we've covered pretty much all of the... Um, Angles? I guess. All of the science of it so far. Curiosities existed mostly in the realm of um, psychologists, cognitive behavioralists, I believe, mm-hmm. who uh, really took up the mantle and... Um, started investigating in, I think, the 50s or 60s. Um, and they came up with some pretty pretty cool ideas. Um, but I think really what's been settled on, and I, and I think it's probably correct, we just haven't been able to fully flesh it out, is that there is some sort of internal drive mm-hmm. that makes us curious yeah. and that it has to be satiated, right? Yeah, it starts, you point out, it starts with babies, obviously. That's how you learn simple things like the stove is hot and the floor is hard mm-hmm. and uh Closing that door on my finger will make me cry. Right, that's make how daddy upset. That's or I will lose feeling in my hand forever, like that one listener <laughs> who wrote in today. Right? Oh yeah. Um, but the the implication of that is okay. Well, there's an example of what we get for being curious. Uh-huh. We learn about the world around us. Yeah, we gain experience up right? to a certain age and, and beyond. Well, then why doesn't curiosity just dissipate entirely? Well, Josh, because we want to be distracted. In our brains, and you can, you found a cool study they did in the fifties and sixties where they took people in, I guess was it solitary confinement? They or? were doing brainwashing studies. Do you remember when we when we did brainwashing? Oh yeah, and like those guys came back from Korea. Oh yeah, I suspect that it was the same really? same research. Okay, so brainwash people would sit around and with when nothing else is going on, they would prefer to have like an old stock report read to them over and over. Yeah, the same same stuff. Same one, just to have some sort of source of stimulation, mental stimulation. In the face of complete sensory deprivation. Yeah. Right? So that's why. That's one. <laughs> that's um, one. There's, and it's not just humans either. Rats exhibit this kind of thing where they'll start exploring mazes even though they, there's no expectation yeah. of food. Right. Um, monkeys kept in um, cages with windows that have uh, sliding uh, covers, I guess, yeah. will open to look out. Just to look out for the heck of it. Yeah. They finally found what amounts to a um, curious gene, right? Yeah. I mean, after, I mean, you can get cognitive psychologists to say till they're blue in the face that uh, curiosity is going to eventually lead to your personality and identity. And that's great. Well, that's a big one, though. Let's talk no, about it, that. No, that's a big one. That's a, that, that makes just complete and utter sense to me, right? Yeah, me too. Like, if you think about it, curiosity is is going out and gaining experience 
Right. And a, a lot of our identity is the experience that we've gained, the, the knowledge we have, the intellect we have. It's what makes us interesting to other people, yeah. right? So, uh, and because curiosity is different in every single person to varying degrees, to the different type, each person kind of helps mold their own identity through their own curiosity. And that is why curious people are attracted to other curious people. Yeah, that was a pretty interesting study. I think it was from like University of Texas. Yeah, in 2004. Mm-hmm. And they found just what we said, high levels of trait curiosity predict uh, how they felt about one another. Right. So they, they, they found that people who shared the same levels of trait curiosity mm-hmm. were attracted to people with the similar similar levels. But you could put people who had that same level of curiosity but had different um, uh, outlooks on life, positive or negative. Right. Right? And it overrode that, right? It, yeah. It was it was mm. a bigger indicator of um, attractiveness. That makes sense, though, because uh, that's, that's your outlook on life almost is your curiosity. Not positive or negative, but mm-hmm. like, what do you want to do? Do you want to sit on the couch or do you want to go see what's on top of that mountain? Right. And and it doesn't matter what mood you're in while we do it. No, and the wife, uh, the wife, I want to, I want to go over there and see what's on top of that mountain. The husband says, "I'd rather watch the Packers game." And the wife just shoots him in the chest because she's just so <laughs> tired of that answer. Do you but, know how many times a year that happens? Yeah, at least like four, four times a year. Um, so Chuck, we were on the gene though, right? Yeah, back back. To you the were gene. saying like it, I, I think what you were saying was cognitive psychologists are, are talking about the symptom of. The action of a gene, right? Yeah, which you can study like correlatively, correlatively. I'm I'm curious, <laughs> but when when if you want to talk the brain and science, they've pinpointed a gene, the DRD4 gene, as being responsible for creating dopamine in the curious. Is that right? In, in a bird, in the curious great tit songbird. Yeah, um, which are known to be fairly curious birds, right? With great with tit. a silly silly name. Yeah. Um, and they, uh, yeah, they found that by enhancing and repressing the expression of this gene, um, the birds became more or less, um, curious, like exploring different parts of their cages or building nests in strange <laughs> places. Yeah. I haven't been eight it's, inches it's that way sad. in a while. <laughs> it's very sad science, but it's, it's science nonetheless, right? Right. But the same thing happens in humans. Dopamine is our reward center. And so right. we get flooded with dopamine just like we would when we eat, get a reward for, yeah, like a big fat steak or a big vegan uh, crunch ball. <laughs> They're so delicious. <laughs> I'm off the vegan crunch balls these days. But uh, you get rewarded with dopamine that way, so curiosity is reinforced through those reward centers Well, that's like scientifically. boom goes the dynamite right there, right? Because anytime dopamine's present, it means that you're hardwired to do that thing. Yeah. That's, that's how we learn to repeat behavior, the release of dopamine. And we say, oh, this feels good. I'm going to do it again. Oh, I like this. I'm going to do it again. Yeah, or... or you know, low-fat milk. Or I, I'm going to go set this building on fire because it, it felt really good and I'm curious. Right. Or volunteer to take part in Hands Across America. Same thing. Yeah. Virtually on the on the cellular <laughs> level, it's the same exact thing. You're right. Setting fires or taking part in, in Hands Across America is the same thing. Yep. We're just a big bag of genes and cells. Right. But in humans, um, I, I don't believe it's the same in the Great Tit Songbird, but in humans, a little part of our hippocampus called the dentate gyrus, mm-hmm. appears to be implicated as the um, big curiosity region, right? Yep. It accepts dopamine, right? As a form of payment. Yes. And uh, the hip, th- this, this region of the hippocampus and the hippocampus itself 
one of its functions, as we talked about, I think, in the memory podcast, mm-hmm. is to differentiate between already experienced and novel situations. Yeah. Because if we couldn't differentiate, then, hey, it's good to meet you every single time. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? We would just do the same podcast over and over again, and everybody would keep listening to the same podcast over and over <laughs> That'd again. Be great. And it'd just be just as thrilling every time. Good. Let's do, let's get stuck on the Muppets loop and just do that. Ooh, that'd be a good one. I could do that one. I could do Twinkies. Every single time. All right. Well, I guess we'll just do, we should probably agree on one right now. Which one? Twappets. <laughs> Sorry. Let's put it together. You good? Yes. Are you, is your curiosity satiated? Yeah. I mean, I guess we should anecdotally just say, or I will say that I'm, I've always been a very curious person. So I have, I have a, I was born with it. I have a breadth and a depth depending on what my main interest is. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've always been pretty curious. I have too. Um, I would say though that there's always been a healthy mix of fear and curiosity. Sure. I, I would say it's that. fairly close to balanced and, um, yeah. I don't have enough fear in my life. I don't think I ever have. Really? Yeah. Well, not, not a lot of bad things have happened to you. That's what you think. <laughs> Chuck Bryant, mysterious, <laughs> mysterious man. So you good? I'm good. All right. Well, if you want to learn more about curiosity, brother, sister, we got a whole site for you. It's called curiosity.com. We're totally shilling for it at this moment, but not because we have to. It is a very cool site. Yeah, we didn't even get asked to do this. Watch. They're no. going to ask us to do this in a few weeks, and we're going to say... Done. Done and done. And they'll be like, ooh, can you re-record that intro? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, So uh, that's curiosity.com, which is a sister site of our beloved and esteemed howstuffworks.com, right? Right. Which is where you can find how curiosity works. Um, And uh, since I said howstuffworks.com, and in there is implied the word handy search bar, that means it's time for listener mail. That's right, Josh. And quickly before listener mail, I personally want to issue a, an apology Uh-oh. to those of you that uh, took offense when I said walleye and disco eye. Oh yeah. To for people who have the condition um, with strabismus. Yeah, with the lazy eye. I have a friend with a lazy eye. He always called it his disco eye. I always thought it was hysterical <laughs> when he did so. He thought it was funny. We all laughed. Uh, not everyone thinks those things are funny, and I was pretty insensitive when I just threw those words out there because it is a condition a lot of people feel really bad about. So yeah, Good for you, Chuck. I want to just apologize for saying that. That was very grown up of It's you. not what we're about here. And if you want to know how I feel about Strabismus, type in Strabismus and blogs and HowStuffWorks.com <laughs> into the search engine, uh, your favorite search engine, and it'll bring up a, a blog post on it. All right. Onward Complete with a little... Cross-eyed Asian girl. Onward and upward. Uh, this is. I'm going to call this for a good cause from Kristen. We got a lot of those back a few months ago when we mm-hmm. talked about your good cause thing. And um, wait, wait, wait. Well, when we called for, hey, if you got a good cause. Oh, gotcha. And this is one that's I've been meaning to read for a while. Okay. Uh, hi guys and Jerry. Just finished to the one on cults. Who is the leader? Uh, and at the end, Josh called for people to write in with projects that will better humanity. Mm-hmm. I think I have a good one. I have the great fortune of working for an incredible international humanitarian organization called World Bicycle Relief. Uh, check us out at www.worldbicyclerelief.org. Uh, I live and work you're gonna, in. You're going to beep that out until our check clears, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I live and work in Zambia in southern Africa, and we build bicycles that we give to folks in need. Pretty simple. 
That's great. Uh, we are currently doing a distribution of 50,000 bicycles over the next three years. That's 10,000 bicycle wheels. <laughs> That's right. What? 100,000. Oh, man. Let's just beat that were, part out. If they were giving out unicycles, it'd be, oh, 25. Just go ahead. Sorry. Through the Ministry of Education to help <laughs> students and teachers access school. Uh, one of the things I think is super cool is it is uh, 70% of our bikes go to children, girl children, females uh, being disadvantaged and often left out of education in developing countries like in Guatemala. We give them to girls because they give the bike to the boy in the family so he can get educated. That's that's as old as the hills. That's right. Our project the bike. Our project is actively increasing attendance of all children at Zambian schools. I love my job. It's bettering humanity, promoting education, providing access to health care, and assisting with financial stability. Plus, it's exercise is good for you. That's right. She encourages to visit uh, Zambia. She said it's pretty awesome. Sweet. And she's been there for four years ago, listening to us since then. And ours is one of her favorites. We'll take it. Definitely. That is Kristen T, uh, worldbicyclerelief.org. That's great. Thank you, Kristen. We appreciate that. Well, if you have something you've always been curious about, and not something stupid, but something like cool that we could possibly answer, we want to know. Don't be stupid. I'm curious how a thermos works. How does it know, hot or cold? (laughs) Also, if you, uh, uh, that's not stupid. I just can't answer that. Um, It's insulation. It doesn't matter if it's hot or cold. It just insulates. Oh, a thermos. I thought you meant a thermometer. Gotcha. So if you have something you're curious about, tell us. We want to know, um, and we'll try to figure it out. And uh, if you have a podcast that if we had to podcast the same podcast over and over and over again, what would it be? We want to know. Uh, whether we recorded it or not, maybe it'll bring up a good idea. Um, send those to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House to Work staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?